Hey all, welcome back to the Strength Chick Podcast and welcome to the first ever full-length episode. If you've made it this far and clicked on this episode, I first want to say thank you. I started this podcast because my passion, which has become my overall mission in my business, is to provide access to accurate, reasonable, and realistic fitness and nutrition advice. In true Jess fashion, I am wasting no time and jumping right into some of the topics I find most helpful, and this week's episode is no exception. The beginning of my fitness journey was filled with what felt like a thousand mistakes and an unreal amount of time completely wasted. There was a period of three or four years in my early 20s where I was spinning my wheels to the point of exhaustion and doing what I thought were all the right things to see results. And during that time, my body exhibited minimal changes and I spent a lot of time overworked and underfueled. Looking back now, especially with the knowledge that I've accumulated in the field, the mistakes I made seem obvious. But the fact that I, as a learning fitness professional, still fell into a lot of these traps should serve as a reminder that legitimately no one is safe from the predatory messaging of the fitness industry. We often hear the phrase hindsight is 2020 and nothing rings more true to someone who has wasted a significant amount of time, energy, or money on something. And although mistakes and ill-informed decisions are a part of life, there's something to be said for saving you a little bit of time and a whole lot of frustration, which you'll figure out is my favorite thing to do around here. So without further ado, here are the six things I wish I knew before I started my fitness journey. Number one, weight fluctuates and it is nothing to stress over. Throughout my early and mid-20s, the scale had an absolute chokehold on me. And this isn't going in the direction you may think. I'm not talking about the intricacies of body composition and muscle weighing more than fat. I'm talking about the daily fluctuations that have absolutely nothing to do with body composition and have everything to do with a combination of physiological variables. I'd weigh myself once, sometimes twice a day, and without realizing it, the number that flashed on the scale played a huge role in not only my mood, but my behaviors. If I was up two or three pounds, I'd be devastated. Thus began the instant recall of my past 24 to 48 hours. What had I eaten? What had I done wrong? And honestly, the opposite result was just as damaging. Being down a few pounds meant that my restrictive behaviors were working, that the two workouts yesterday really helped send me in the right direction, or that the fasted cardio was helping me to burn fat. And while all of this may seem ridiculous to a lot of us that understand the human body, ideologies like this still confuse young adults because this information simply is not talked about. Athletes will step on the scale in the weight room and wonder why they're down a couple pounds from the day before, nervous that they're doing something wrong and losing muscle, while clients will weigh themselves after a few days of difficult workouts and worry they've gained three pounds of fat. Although everyone is different, weight fluctuations of about five pounds in a day are completely normal. And while this fluctuation has everything to do with hydration, food consumption, sleep, and exercise, it has absolutely nothing to do with your body fat or lean body mass. Having a professional in the industry validate that A, this was a normal thing that bodies do, and B, that people express concern over this all the time and it's nothing to worry about 
would have done wonders for my obsession over the scale and would have saved me the consistent stress of being unsure about the effects of my habits. And I want to make a note here. While weight is a perfectly fine way to measure progress over time, if you have a decent amount of weight to lose, measuring day-to-day is a recipe for a disaster no matter your situation. Weighing yourself every two weeks is what I'd recommend for someone with reasonable weight loss goals that wants to observe trends in their body weight. Number two, recovery is just as important as the workout. If I could shout this one from the rooftops, I would. Even though my 25-year-old self would cackle at the thought of a proper warm-up and cool-down that lasted more than two and a half minutes, my now freshly 30 and significantly injured self will tell you, take care of your body. If you're in the same age range as me and most of my friends, late 20s to early 30s, you've likely never experienced a drastic shift in your physical ability. Let me tell you what, actual injury is no joke, and especially if you're someone like me who lives an extremely active lifestyle, you'd likely give anything to be perfectly physically able should that ever be taken from you. Now, all injuries aren't the result of failing to warm up or cool down, mine certainly wasn't, but it also makes me reflect on the way I've treated my body in the past and the times I've failed to listen to it. More often than not, this is the first battle I fight with a lot of my more motivated clients. So those clients who insist on working out five or six days a week, regardless of how their body feels or how their sleep and nutrition has been. I've had clients who work an extremely physical job for long hours and insist on hitting the gym afterwards, even if they feel terribly. I'm definitely not trying to scare you into extra rest days or less workouts, but being honest with yourself about how you're feeling and deciding whether a workout would be productive or destructive can improve your health in the long run. As any strength coach will tell you, it does not matter how strong you are if you're forced to sit on the sideline. Keeping your body healthy is the quickest way to get stronger, lose weight, or make progress towards any aesthetic goal. Number three. Absolutely no aesthetic is worth your mental health. This one is simple, but it is important. If you are completely miserable on your way to your quote-unquote dream body, you are not going to be any less miserable when you get there. So many of my clients think that the answer to all of their problems is a smaller waist, and that's just not the case. Take it from someone plagued with low self-confidence for years. Getting smaller and more toned was not the automatic fix I thought it'd be. Even though I was constantly hungry, irritable, overworked, and just plain stressed out, I was convinced that looking a certain way would reaffirm all the disordered decisions I was making. Quick story time here. So I began my fitness career during the true emergence of mainstream fitness culture. And many people dove straight into obsessive workout habits, and it was extremely popular for females new to the fitness scene to participate in bikini or figure competitions. I watched a lot of girls in my gym run themselves ragged to compete in these shows, and they'd spend months in excellent condition with such minimal body fat. And from my perspective, that was the dream, right? I mean, credit where credit is due, these girls were in immaculate shape. They were lean, they had that toned aesthetic that everybody was after, 
And yet most of them I knew on a personal level couldn't even enjoy the aesthetic because of the methods they used to get there. And as the bodybuilding craze subsided a little bit, I knew many people who took years to mentally recover from the stress induced by achieving these aesthetics. And I feel the need to disclaim, this is not a shot at bodybuilders whatsoever. A lot of them are incredible athletes with insane amounts of willpower and commitment to their craft. I use this example to point out that even some individuals in absolute peak condition find it really hard to cope with the stresses that this strain puts on your mind and body long after the competitions are over. Number four, random workouts will not get you specific results. Enter the Instagram workout. Honestly, I know fitness influencers that still generate huge amounts of views and followers by posting random daily workouts on Instagram. And there are thousands of individuals that blindly follow these workouts expecting to achieve the aesthetic results of the person in the video. I will always say that the number one rule of a great exercise strategy is to find a modality of exercise that you love and that you can be consistent with. And bottom line, any activity is better than no activity. So getting more active is a huge step in the right direction. If you're just dabbling in strength training and want some inspiration on different movements and ways to structure a workout, this could be a great place to start. But when you're trying to level up from baseline activity and make consistent and specific aesthetic progress, you need to act methodically. I'm often surprised to learn that a very small percentage of people who exercise are following any type of program. Many people are just going into the gym, training randomly until exhaustion, and sprinkling in random workouts that they see on social media, which admittedly used to be a large part of my personal workout strategy. This is why I consistently see people that seemingly live in the gym and have a decent amount of exercise knowledge make little to no progress over the course of years, and why we see those same individuals shatter plateaus and make huge progress when they start following a progressive and methodical workout program. So, how do you ensure you're on the right track with your workouts? Ask yourself a few questions when you're selecting your workout plan. Does this type of training elicit the health or aesthetic responses I'm looking for? If you're looking to get toned and your training is comprised solely of cardio and HIIT workouts, there's a good chance you won't ever achieve the look you're after. Does this training get progressively more difficult on the body, and how do we know that? There has to be some measurable way to gauge the difficulty of the workout or the overall stimulus. Just like you'd run progressively longer distances to get in shape for a marathon, you need to lift progressively heavier weights or similar weights for more reps to achieve a more toned physique. And finally, do I have the knowledge or tools to make this more difficult or do I need to outsource? Above are pretty simple examples broken down extremely base level, but there's a good amount of strategy that goes into exercise selection, weight prescriptions, and workout volume when working towards a specific goal. There is no shame in asking for help or hiring a coach when looking to make specific progress. Number five, food should never be a source of stress. Consistently stressing over food is a red flag, period. 
whether you're stressed over your macros, you can't go out to dinner with friends without having a mental breakdown, or the uncertainty of food availability on a road trip sends you into a spiral, you are practicing something that is unsustainable and potentially damaging in the long term. And honestly, when I look back, so much of my stress over food was misplaced and unnecessary. I missed out on social situations I didn't need to, and there were times I refused to feed my body even though I was physically hungry. Learning about nutrition and proper fueling strategies revealed the one truth that made it extremely easy for me to leave diet culture behind. Almost every single diet in the books was counterintuitive to the nutritional needs of the human body. Many women I knew were trying to lose fat while drastically underfueling, complete grueling workouts in a fasted state or while barely consuming carbs, or even build muscle while eating only 1,600 calories in a day. Now, I'm definitely not claiming that I woke up one morning completely unbothered with my diet. It takes a lot of time to correct years of damaging beliefs and disordered behaviors, but after a few years of effort and education, it's really difficult for me to remember a time when I deny myself of a food I wanted or feel guilty over the occasional indulgence. Number six, getting stronger feels better than getting lighter ever did. I'd actually jump at the chance to smack my younger self for caring about a thigh gap and making sure my arm looked small in pictures. This obsession with being as tiny as possible consumed me and many of my friends and peers for our entire young adulthood. I'm not sure if it was because I grew up with extremely limited representation of strong female athletes or if there was just so much negative messaging around women with any sort of muscle. But the urge to be thin was so strong that I resented my naturally muscular legs and broader shoulders growing up. When it boils down to it, I felt ashamed of what would be regarded now as my naturally athletic body and spent my late teens and early 20s wishing I had pencil-thin legs and narrower shoulders and hips. And focusing on shrinking myself was exhausting and, as it turns out, completely counterproductive. The concept of skinny had been so aggressively driven into my brain that I hadn't considered that I could embrace my build and feel attractive and confident as an athletic female. Now, unfortunately, I carried this mentality with me into my 20s, and the compulsion to continuously shrink myself prevailed in the back of my mind every single time I'd step on the scale. Turns out, my dream body had absolutely nothing to do with getting smaller, and getting stronger has provided me with the best physical and mental health of my life. Had I not been so focused on losing weight at all costs, I could have looked and felt a lot better a lot earlier in life. Whether you're just stepping into the gym for the first time or you are several years in, there's a good chance that some or all of these are applicable to you and your fitness journey. And while I know everyone's challenges are different, I hope this inspires you to reframe some of your existing beliefs and improve your relationship with food, exercise, and your body. Thank you so much for listening to the Strength Chick Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with a friend or on your social media, and make sure you follow the podcast to be notified when new episodes are released. 
In the meantime, you can find more of my fitness, nutrition, and general health content on my Instagram at Coach Jay Burke. Talk soon.